Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather each Sunday morning at 10.30 as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now we join Pastor Joel for this week's message, The Sign of the Covenant, from Genesis chapter 17. Well, we're continuing our series in the book of Genesis, and if you wouldn't mind turning to Genesis 16, uh, the very end of Genesis 16, there'll be page 11 in your pew Bibles. We're going to read just the very end of 16 and the first couple verses of uh, chapter 17. So Genesis 16, we'll start in verse 15. If you wouldn't mind uh, standing as we read God's Word. Genesis 16, starting in verse 15. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. And then in between chapter 16 and 17, 13 long years go by. Chapter 17, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face. We'll stop right there. How, Lord? How in the world do you walk before the Lord God Almighty and be blameless? How? Uh, With his face down, I'm sure scared and weak and broken, so many doubts and fears, so many mistakes. How, Lord, how in the world do we walk before you and be blameless? Let's pray one more time. Lord, as we approach your text, the words breathed out by the Spirit... Lord, would you uh, pierce our hearts even this morning? Would you call us to yourself? Would you open our eyes so we could see what you'd have for us? Open our ears so we could hear. Lord, and just like uh, Caleb prayed, soften our hearts, Lord. Remove the sin, the guilt, the shame, and give us new life in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can go ahead and have a seat now. Have you ever, have you ever felt that way? Uh, before we get to the message, I, I want to share about a, a time that I, f- I felt that way. Uh, have you ever felt like um, you're broken, you're ruined, you've done things in your past, and you're like, okay, now it's just, it's just over. How can God use me now? Uh, there, there's no way. I'm, just as, I'm, I'm not good anymore. Maybe you even feel like that sitting in a ch- church this morning. You feel like, well, if people really knew who I was walking in here, you, you wouldn't even allow me to sit in a pew. Do you feel like you just don't have what it takes? How, how in the world could a God who comes to Abram and also to you and me and goes, walk before me and be blameless, do you feel disqualified? I do. Uh, we moved back from Slovenia. Uh, we were missionaries there for, for seven years. We moved back to Charleston, South Carolina. Beautiful place if you ever want to go there. Charleston's it's just awesome. Uh, we moved back to Charleston. Amy was... Uh, 
she was like six or seven months pregnant. We had, that's uh, Abigail and that's Elijah. So we had like a two-year-old and a one-year-old. My wife is that much pregnant. We moved back to the States. And, uh, we moved in with my parents, which is a 33-year-old is exactly what you want to do. Uh, just, it's almost really humbling, right? Okay, I'm coming back in with my parents. Uh, but, but I had this confidence, right? I had a business degree. Uh, from Augusta State University. I had overseas experience. I'm moving to a port city. I thought, this is going to be a shoe-in. I'm going to get a job. Uh, like, they're just going to be falling over to give me a, a job. Uh, it was 2009. And as I started going out, uh, all these people were like, Habitat for Humanity. Uh, they said, oh, man, you would be perfect for the area director for us. The whole board was like, I, I met all the different ones, and they're like, oh, perfect. This is, he's a young guy, he's got vision, he's done, oh, this is just great, just perfect. So we're walking down that road until uh, someone up higher up says, no, we're actually going to give it to this lady who's moving down from Ohio who wants to go down to South Carolina. Been with Habitat for a long time, so like, sorry, we're not going to give you the job. Okay, okay, that's, that's fine. Uh, so I started going around, I give my application everywhere. I mean, I was, I was motivated. Uh, to get out of my parents' house, my wife's pregnant, I gotta have a job, we gotta support, I gotta support my wife, I'm feeling the, the pressure. Uh, so I even went into Target, uh, which is not my, <laughs> not my favorite place, but I ended up meeting with the manager and this impromptu, he's like, yeah, come on in my office. And we ended up sitting down and he's like, man, we have this uh, front end, like human resource uh, customer service manager, it, this is what it would be, we'd be working side by side, it would be perfect for it, just come in Monday, we'll fill out all the paperwork. So I wasn't all that excited about it. Amy might have been more excited for the discount. But uh, I go in Monday, and, and the manager goes, look, I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on, but they, they, we just did a hiring freeze for everybody. So we can't give you the job. I mean, you would have been perfect for it. When it opens up, we'll totally give it to you. So I'm like, well, no. I, my wife's, I mean, she's getting more and more, like, we're, I, I, need to get, I need to get a job. Uh, so I'm out doing everything I can, even a bank job, uh, just an entry-level bank job. The managers, like, we knew some people all the same, like, college and everything. Uh, and I'm like, oh, this is easy. I even bought a shirt and a tie uh, to, to, to this bank job. And he comes in, he says, sorry, no, we're not hiring either. We're not hiring. We're, we're not going to hire you. We're not going to hire you. You know what that does for a 33-year-old man with two kids and a pregnant wife? The pressure that I felt, the, the rejection that I felt over and over, you're not good enough. We don't want you. Uh, six months of that. We end up uh, having the baby. I still didn't have a job. And I'm feeling all of this, like, I, uh, it's just weighing on me. Okay, I know, Lord. I, I, was, I was really proud. I'm not now. Lord, I have, does, would anyone even hire me? Does anyone even want me at all? Feeling broken. And then I get a call uh, from Cornerstone Church in Gresham, Oregon, and they say, hey, would, would you consider being a pastor out here? And you know what I did? I laughed. Are you serious? A pastor? Do you, <laughs> did you call the right person? Do you know who I am? I haven't even finished seminary yet. I dropped out. I've never been a pastor before. Nobody else wants me, and you're calling me to be a pastor? There's no, there's no way. Uh, I, I totally felt totally unqualified for it. Now, for 13 years, people have been calling me pastor. And each time they call me pastor, it reminds me. It's only by God's grace. You're not really worthy, but I am because I'm doing a work in you. I'm changing your heart so that you can love people. 
I'm giving you a love for my word. Lord, the Lord's saying, Joel, I'm doing a work in you. You, you. You're not today what you're going to be when I'm done with you. Pastor. It's become very dear to me, but it's also been very humbling. Every time someone says, Pastor, I'm reminded of God's grace. Now, in the same way, just like that, just how they were calling me to be pastor long before I was ever qualified or felt like it. It felt like they were handing me this jacket that was like 10 times too big. Here, wear this. And I'm feeling like, oh, I'm just a sham in this huge jacket. In the same way that they called me pastor before I understood, God calls Abram, Abraham, before he deserves it, before he understands what that even means. He calls him Abraham, the father of a multitude of nations, the father of all of these people, and he's got one son. And then he calls, walk before me and be blameless. God approaches him, not because he thinks, oh, Abram's going to get it right, because we're going to see he's going to mess up again and again, but, but because there is hope through the covenant that, that God is making. So today, we're going to see our story in Genesis 17, and we're going to see the hope through the covenant that God makes with us that actually allows us to walk before the Lord and be blameless. After 13 years of Ishmael growing up, of Abram being reminded, yeah, I sinned, I had unbelief, I disobeyed. Uh, 13 years of being called Abram, uh, God finally appears to him and he falls on the ground. Well, what else can you do? But as Abram's on the ground, God's going to pronounce three things over him. Three speeches that God says to this Abram who's on the ground feeling broken. Uh, in our text, it's each going to start with, and God said. That's how we're going to divide our text up today. You'll see, and God said, and God said. Uh, three things. Let me summarize each of the three speeches that God says to Abram. He says, I'm going to give you a new name, a new identity. He says, I'm going to remove your sin and your guilt. And he says, I'm going to redeem your past. I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to remove your sin, and I'm going to redeem your past. Let's look at each one of those. Chapter 17, verse 3. We're going to see uh, God giving Abram a new name. 17.3, And God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you, and I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojourning, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God." God comes to Abram and says, I'm going to give you a new name, Abraham. Abraham, which means the father of many nations, the father of a multitude, the father of lots of kids, and he has one son. I'm sure he felt, this is weird. This doesn't fit me. Uh, he comes up to people, and, oh, what's your name? My name's Abraham. Oh, good. How many kids do you got? I got one. Abraham? <laughs> The father of many, one. That doesn't seem to fit, but each time 
that someone would call him Abraham, it would remind him of the promise of God. I'm going to pause just for a second and, and offer a principle I think we can, we can learn from this. You know, pain and hurt, they often cause us to look back, to get stuck. But hope invites us to look forward. P pain makes us look back on what has been, gets us stuck where we're at, but hope invites us to look ahead. Each time Abraham, they would call Abraham, Abraham, it would remind him of the promise of God. Abraham, he said, yeah, but we've tried. I've messed up. It's over. No, Abraham. And then God tells him, because I've made you, do you notice the little tense in that? I've made you the father of many nations. And then he goes on, well, how has he made him a father of many nations? Because God has promised, I will make you fruitful. I will keep my covenant. I will bless the offspring after you. It's like God is reaching in the future and what he's going to do in Abraham's life, and he pulls it to the now and says, what you are today is not what I'm preparing you to be in the future. So start living today like Abraham. Abraham. Walk in faith, Abraham. God calls him, says, walk before me. And I think why he says that is because every time Abraham walks before the Lord and hears his name, Abraham, he's reminded of the hope in his name, that God will make a way. Until even Abraham would start believing it, that, that jacket that he's given him would start to to fit. Uh, Abigail, our oldest daughter, is she down in the nursery? Oh, she's right there. <laughs> but this is a story. We named, Ab we named Abigail uh, long before she was ever born, uh, even before we were uh, really, um, she was even a dream. Abigail. Abigail means my father's delight or joy of the father. Um, I call her Abigail because I want her to know she's my delight. When she messes up, when she goes the wrong way, when I'm like, oh, Abigail, she's the father's delight. No matter what, right? Abigail, Abigail, Abigail. That's why I don't call you Abby. You are Abigail. And do you know that God, if you're listening to his voice, if you're following Jesus, has called you by a name as well. There's a name he's given you that he wants you to know and believe, and he wants it to shape who you are. We read about it in Revelation. Let me just point this out. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 17. It says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give to him on a white stone, which represents purity, with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. He's written a name for you if you're a follower of Jesus, that he wants, you to, he wants to shape you and believe you and pull you into the future of what he's going to make you, not what you are today. It's like he went up to Abram and gives him this white stone and says, you're Abraham, you're the father of many nations. And he, Abram's like, what? With one kid? I'm going to do this in you. It's my promise. I'm going to work this in you. He comes to this judge named Gideon who is cowering and hiding from his enemies. And it's like he hands him this white stone and goes, oh, mighty warrior. That's who, you, that's who I'm making you into be. 
Let me just say that again and again to you. He, he takes Simon, his disciple, who's following him. It's like he gives him a white stone and says, you're Peter. You're the rock. And Peter's going to still deny him three times, but God's not done with him yet. He's pulling him into the future of what he's planning on doing with him. God says over Abram with his face on the ground, I have a new name for you, Abraham. Now let's look at the second speech. He's taken away his sin and his guilt. Verse 9, And God said to Abram, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Let's stop right there. We'll just skip this part because it's really awkward. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. There's an elephant in the room. We're going to talk about circumcision. Uh, but just, just briefly, it's actually the sign of the covenant is circumcision. The sign uh, of the covenant. Uh, a sign, by definition, is an event or object that indicates or points to the presence of something else. And we all know that. We see signs everywhere. Uh, a sign is actually pointing us to some greater reality. Uh, I, you would never pull up to a Chick-fil-A sign and expect to be satisfied from your hunger. I mean, you can go to that sign over and over and over again, and you will never be satisfied until you finally go to Chick-fil-A, unless it's a Sunday, uh, until you go to Chick-fil-A and finally get their meal, and then your hunger will be satisfied. The sign will never satisfy. It only points to a greater reality. This is the sign of the covenant. So what's the sign? Well, there's the part of Abraham's body that was intimately involved in the abuse of someone else, in the sin. And he says, I want you to, to cut off the, the top of it. I want you to cut the part off of that instrument. Now, now don't think um, nice, clean hospital a couple days after you're born and it's all sterile and everything. Think Flintstone, think wilderness. Think, think bloody, think painful. There is a judgment for your sin, Abram. I'm just not going to just forget what you've done. There needs to be a judgment for that sin. But at the very same time, in circumcision, there is a sign of hope, of new life. Circumcision is the place where judgment meets forgiveness. Where sin meets the hope of redemption in the future. Whenever Abraham would be intimate with his wife, it would forever remind him of the forgiveness of his sin, his shame, his guilt. It's been removed. But it's just a sign. It's actually pointing us to a place where judgment fully meets forgiveness and is satisfied at the cross of Christ. It points us to this greater reality. So circumcision then is really just this outward sign of what happens in our hearts. Let me just read two verses on this. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 6. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. Circumcision is an outward sign of what the Lord's going to do with our hearts. Remove the sin and the shame and the guilt. Romans 2.28 
For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from men, but from God. You know, God comes up to Abram, who is a wreck, and he calls him a new name. And then he says, I want you to walk before me so I can tell you this name over and over. And then I want you to be blameless. Not that, not that he would be perfect, but that his sin and his shame and his guilt would be taken away. He would be given a new heart, that he would become a new creation. God pronounces, I've given you a new name. I've removed your sin and guilt. And here's the, here's the last one, the la- final speech of the Lord. And he really says, I've redeemed your past. I've redeemed your relationships. I'm going to use everything that you've done. Even if it was intended for evil, I'm going to work that out for my glory and for good. Starting in verse 15. And God said to Abram, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her, uh, her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abram fell on his face. And he laughed and said to himself, shall a, ch- excuse me, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God says, No, but Sarah, your wife, she shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes, princes a little lower than kings, and I will make him into a great nation, and I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. You know, I don't know what Abraham and Sarah's relationship was like, but, but I can take a guess. Uh, years of frustration and hurt uh, pain, uh, anger, um, Abram giving her away to another man to save his own life, uh, sleeping with a maidservant who gets pregnant and the pain of that year after year, month after month, not exactly the building blocks of a healthy relationship. And after decades, God tells Abram, I'm doing a new thing in your wife too. Don't call her Sarai. I want you to see her new. Call her Sarah. I'm going to bless her. He, he wants Abraham to see it, to, to see her in a new way, that he is redeeming the relationship. And I'm sure for Abraham it's like, but it's been so long, Lord. We've got these ruts in the road in our relationship, and it's how is that ever going to change? Who knows if she would even listen to me anymore? He falls on his face again, and he's like, I'm too old, Lord. The patterns are are set. I mean, how is that physically even going to work? And even if it does, how is she ever going to give herself to me again? I mean, she's too old too. Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Lord, you've already given me a son. Can't we just settle on that? It would be a whole lot easier. I don't even know if Sarah would go along with it anyway. it doesn't say, but I, I can't remember the last time that Abraham would have been even intimate with, with Sarah. You, you wonder how often the hope of pregnancy the next month would have just ended in discouragement, like a pain uh, so deep 
a knife to the heart each, each time. The pain and the hurt, they're too deep. That hurt causes you to look in the past. That hope invites you to see in the future what the Lord is going to do. Abram whispered to her, Sarah, God is doing something new. He's made a promise. What about Ishmael? Well, God says, okay, uh, Ishmael, we're going to bless him too. I'm going to take that past mistake and I'm going to use it for my glory. I'm going to multiply him as well. I'm going to redeem that and I'm going to redeem your marriage. I'm going to do all this stuff, but I have a purpose and a plan in mind and even gives him a timeline about this time next year, which means, Abraham, you better get this relationship uh, back on track in the next like three months, right? About this time next year. Start working on it. Verse 22, we're going to end with this. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all those born in the house or bought with the money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day, as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael had his sons, his son was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very day, Abram and his son Ishmael were circumcised, and all the men of his house, those born in the house and those bought with money from a foreigner, those were circumcised with him. This, this sign of the covenant, this circumcision, this demonstration of what God would do in the future on the cross through his son Jesus, the removal of our sin and our guilt, not that we could do it on our own, we can work it, it's, there's no law that we can fulfill this at all. It's only through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And then he offers us new life. And did you get this in it? It's offered to everyone. Slave, free, those are born away, those who've come, uh, come later on in life, those in the house, those just outside of the house, his son Ishmael, everyone. It's offered as this gift of grace, of forgiveness, to walk before the Lord and receive this new name, to be blameless to have your sin and your shame removed, to be given a new heart, to be made a new creation. All through the sign of the covenant. But the sign actually would never satisfy. And the Jews would, would, try and, would try and replace it. Well, if we just did the sign of the circumcision, but it's just a sign pointing us ahead to the cross of Jesus where our sin and shame is truly removed from us. Our hearts of stone are taken away and we're given a heart of flesh. We have hope for the future because of what God has done and is doing in each one of us. We're not today what God's going to do in your life. So I want to transition here uh, just for a little bit. We're running a little bit uh, behind in time, which is okay. Uh, but I'm going to invite us up to take communion. We have a song that's going to be played. Uh, and... And the sign of circumcision and the sign of communion all point us back to the same thing, the cross of Jesus, who's taken our sin and he's crucified it in himself on the cross and offered to us the forgiveness of our sins. And in his resurrection, he's offered us new life in him. And so as we come to the communion table, we're reminded of that. We're, we're reminded that uh, your old self, your brokenness, your failures, you're not enough. Uh, all of that is, is taken away with the cross and you're given a new name and a new heart. Uh, so I'm going to invite people up. We have one song. I'm going to invite people up to take uh, communion. Just 
just take it uh, around the table there. And, and as you do, you'll see there's white stones. There's a table back, there's a table in the back, there's some tables on the side. And as you do, just take that white stone and, and just take that stone as a reminder that, that God is working in you. He's calling you. And if you hear him, if you listen to him, he, he wants he wants to whisper who you are, who he wants you to be. And so take that, take that stone and, and put it somewhere. Uh, maybe put it in front of your mirror so in the morning you remember uh, God's working in you. Put it in your, uh, beside your computer at work. Put it in your car. Uh, put it somewhere just as a reminder that God has given you a new name. If you're listening to his voice. Let me, let me pray and then we'll, uh, we'll go right to the communion table. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you. It even seems uh, too light. Lord, that you would uh, call us and continue to work on us even when we don't deserve it. Lord, that you would call us to walk before you and be blameless. That, that we could even do that because of your son dying on the cross for us. That our, our, sin, was, um, our sin was so heavy and so broken and such a rebellion to you uh, that you needed to send your son to die on the cross to save us. And Lord, would we re respond by listening to you, by walking before you, uh, by whispering to other people, even in our circles, that the Lord wants to do something in their life as well. And Lord, we be reminded as we come to the communion table, just that that you've given us a new name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon. Or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word, to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.